0: So let's talk a little bit about wisdom, developing wisdom in relationship to unpleasant sensations. So, With balance comes mysterious intimacy. So the W is for wisdom, with, the sense of being with something. So I'd like to explore this a little bit. So wisdom is about how we look at something. It's about our view, how we see things. How we see things determines how we relate to them. Yeah. So, um, if we view aging as a as a problem, as something gone wrong, then we will relate to it accordingly. Whereas if we view aging as completely ordinary, normal, and uh, natural, it will change how we relate to it. There are different different levels of wisdom in terms of how clearly we're seeing something, uh, starting with even just the even just the even just the idea, just the general information that we have. So, for example, when we were talking about the sense of isolation that can occur, even just recognizing, wait a minute, some of this has nothing to do with me personally, it's how I've internalized the messages of my culture. That's a certain kind of wisdom. It's just, it's just on the intellectual level, but it has an effect. Because we start to view how we're looking at, at the situation differently. So as we've already started exploring and uh, naming, you know, our unquestioned view, the, our culture's view of pain and the corresponding relationship to it is um, that it shouldn't be happening. That being sick, being in pain, um, is something that's gone wrong. So this is this is this is a myth. <clears throat> this is one of the the cultural myths that's there in our society. It's a story, it's a certain story. And <laughs> it's a very detrimental one because it's just not true. And what happens when when pain, illness, aging, unpleasant sensation is something gone wrong, then it becomes my fault. And when it becomes my fault, then a sense of identity forms. I'm a failure. Right? It becomes something of who we are. I'm, it's my fault and I'm a failure for being sick, in pain, having difficulty. And then that determines a relationship with the experience. Then anytime there's a painful sensation, what, what, how do we relate? How do we respond? If the view is, shouldn't be happening, something gone wrong, my fault, bad problem, if that's the view, then what kind of relationship do we have with it? Don't want it, make it go away, ashamed of it, angry at it, judging it, hiding it, right? All of those responses are fed by the view. They're conditioned by the view. What happens if that view were to shift? If instead the view were... This is completely natural. What if the response to an unpleasant sensation, instead of why, was, oh, of course, of course, of course the body's going to hurt. That's how it's built, of course. Instead of why me, what if it were, oh, everyone feels this. This is the nature of the body. This is the nature of the body. So this is a fundamental reorientation to our experience. And this is this is the beginning and in some sense the end of the path. This is the process of practice, is that we hear teachings, we hear... Um, another way of looking at things, another way of understanding things. And then we reflect on it. We take it in. We say, is that right? Does that make sense to me? You know? What's it like to uh, try that on? How would it be if I saw things in that way? And then we try it on for a while. We, 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 we live with it. And then we start to actually investigate it. And then we, we see something clearly for ourselves and then it becomes actually something that's inside of us. It's no longer something that we've heard from the outside. So this is a a quote from Ajahn Chah who is uh, one of the great meditation masters of the last century and the the grandfather of the whole uh, Western uh, lineage of the Thai forest tradition. He was one of Jack Kornfield's teachers. He says... uh, If the body could talk, it would be telling us all day long, you're not my owner, you know. Actually, it's telling us this all the time, but it's Dhamma language, so we're unable to understand it. For instance, the sense organs of the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, they're continually changing, but I've never seen them ask permission from us even once. Like when I have a headache or a stomach ache, the body never asks permission first. It just goes right ahead following its natural course. This shows that the body doesn't allow anyone to be its owner. It doesn't have an owner. The Buddha described it as an object without substance, empty of substance. So this is a really radical shift in how we relate to our own body. Right? Me. Mine. I own this body. It's mine. Right? Is it? Can you tell it, don't get old? Can you tell it, don't get sick? Can you tell it, don't hurt here? Don't sag there? Don't plump there? (laughs) Can you do that? Can you tell your body, don't die? It's on loan, right? We're renting it. We have to give it back eventually. It doesn't belong to us. It's just following its natural course. It grows old. It grows up. It has vitality. It reaches a certain peak, and then it starts to decline. The energy levels go down, the agility goes down, something the sense faculties dull. And then eventually it disintegrates that's what it does. That's the way it's built. Right? We, don't, we know this. This is not news to any of us. But do we really know it? Do we really, do we really fully accept it and see it clearly? You know? This is, this is, when we don't, then there's that resistance. Then there's that, no, why, shouldn't be trying to control it. Now this doesn't mean, this is a little bit going back to your question, this doesn't mean that we don't take care of it. This doesn't mean that we don't protect it, that we don't try to keep it healthy, that we don't wash it and feed it and clothe it and take it to the doctor when it gets sick and put Band-Aids on it when we can, whether that's a a physical Band-Aid or taking some medicine or exercising, right? Right? Because we recognize this is the only one we've got, and it's our vehicle. It's our vehicle for uh, living, and whatever whatever your uh, deeper desires are for your life, bringing more light into the world, generosity, kindness, understanding, awakening. This is this is the this is the boat. This is what we've got, so we want to take good care of it. And still recognize its nature and its limitations. So when we see in this way, then there's this shift. There's this willingness to turn towards and include unpleasant sensations, unpleasant experiences. And the first noble truth, which says that there is difficulty there is stress pain discomfort that's where the teachings start the Buddha says look this is the reality it's part of life let's be real about this this is the deal is that things are difficult stressful hard painful unpredictable uncontrollable frustrating annoying heartbreaking right that's that's it's 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 in the contract it's part of the way things are built here so then the buddha says recognize that understand it understand it don't change it don't fix it don't try to get out of it understand it what do we have to do to understand something god it we have to we have to look at it we have to come close to it we have to know it we have to feel it we have to be we have to humble ourselves to it to understand something. If I want to understand you, I need to listen to you. I need to really see you and not think I know you. I won't understand you if I think that. So to understand suffering, we need to listen to it. We need to say, okay, this is what's happening. Of course, of course I'm suffering. Of course I'm miserable. Of course I'm lonely. Of course I'm depressed. Of course I'm anxious. That's what it means to be human is that these kinds of experiences happen They're not something gone wrong. That's the fundamental mistake we make again and again and again. It shouldn't be happening. No, no. That's the reactivity. That's the resistance. That's the second arrow, the no. The the well-instructed disciple says, oh, okay, of course. Let me understand this. Let me become familiar with this. Let me see, how is this? Is it a bad thing to feel pain? Is it a bad thing? Why, why, sh- why shouldn't we feel unpleasant sensations? It's like that, that analogy I gave of only wanting to breathe in and never breathe out. It's crazy. So the unpleasant sensations are happening. They're already here the aging is happening, the decline is happening, whatever it is, the illness is happening, the question then becomes, how do I relate to this? How do, what am I doing with this? How will I use this? How will I use this? Will I be able to take care of what I can take care of? See the doctor, take the medicine, change my diet, do the physical therapy, you know, whatever I need to, And still have clarity about the reality. Which is that this is out of my control. I will do the best that I can to take care of things. But understanding deeply that ultimately this is the way it is. I can't control what happens. But I can control how I use this experience. I can control how I relate to it whether or not i shoot that second dart whether or not i use it to cultivate wisdom and compassion and clarity and understanding and compassion and kindness so then what happens this is huge this is this is the this is the power of wisdom when we see it clearly when we know oh okay this is the this is <laughs> this is the path this is the truth what's happening and 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 agree to, 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 to touch it, to understand it. We, we're not a victim anymore. It's not happening to me. That sense of the victimhood can start to shift. Instead, we're choosing the experience. We're, we're bringing forth a willingness to meet it and to practice with it. To say, okay, how can I use this? What am I going to do? You know? when we open to the experience, when we can actually turn towards it, something happens. Something profound can happen. It ennobles us. This is why these these four truths are called noble truths or ennobling truths. Because they connect us with a sense of dignity and with a sense of um, uh, vast, vastness. That we see that um, when we can experience pain consciously, when we can become conscious of difficulty, it deepens our humanity. When I can suffer consciously, when I can understand suffering, when I can bring awareness to the experience, then it becomes transformative instead of oppressive. Oppressive. It awakens the heart, it opens the heart. We start to see, oh, this is not just me. This isn't anything personal to me. This is the human condition. The human condition. When we meet it, when we when we when we include it, when we're willing to do that, to see it with wisdom and know this is okay. This is natural. One of the. um, Well, I'll just come back to that in one moment. The the willingness uh, to touch that pain, to touch that uh, unpleasant sensation, and everything around it—the fear, the shame, the confusion, the helplessness, the anger, the rage, the despair—all of that—it takes. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of energy. And in that process, um, the heart is strengthened. The heart grows. It's a certain exercise for for our spirit. And then through deeply acknowledging and knowing our own vulnerability, we start to feel connected with the vulnerability of all of life. As, as Naomi Shihab Nye says in the poem, Kindness, um, we see we see uh, how wide the fabric is. We see that our one thread of suffering is connected to the thread of a, of a great tapestry. And then we start to be able to really uh, understand it. When we can meet it, when we can look at it, we start to see, you know, how does this arise? How does this experience come into being? And what's supporting it? What's keeping it going? There's the unpleasant sensation and then there's the suffering we create around it. What are the conditions for that? We start to see how it's put together, that there's the unpleasant sensation and then boom, 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 boom. There's everything else that comes after it, the second dart, the third dart, the fourth dart. Shouldn't be happening. Why me? My fault. Never get better. Rest of my life. All of that that gets created around it. And we start to see how we can, uh, how those conditions are, um, uh, how they're like a a, a house of sticks, all resting on each other. And when you start to take one out or two out, they collapse. And then there's just the sensation. Um, I I just want to share a couple of stories about my own practice in this way. And then... um, And then I'll give you some suggestions on how to practice with it. Uh, So one is... um, So I I mentioned at the beginning of our day that I've had some various health conditions for the last uh, 15 years or so. Um, When I was in my early 20s, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, um, uh, which can be a very painful and uh, challenging condition. can be very humiliating at times. Loss of bowel control. um, Very painful physically. Uh, and then, uh, about, f- uh, three years, three years ago, um, I, I got Lyme disease and another tick-borne illness on, on top of the colitis, and I was very, very sick for a couple years, um, with that. And, um, so at one point, you know, uh, when I had the, the Lyme and the babesia, I was, um, I suffering a lot and really feeling like, you know, going, uh, uh, um, trying to edit the universe, as a colleague of mine says, you know, going back in time and trying to figure out, like, why did I get bitten by that tick? And if only I had done this or not done that, and I wouldn't have been in that place at that time. And, you know, just avoiding it, resisting it, wishing it were different. And somehow in my mind... And then, you know, I I used wisdom reflections. And this is the practice that I'm going to invite us to do together is using a reflection, a mental uh, idea to catalyze wisdom. To reflect, okay, like, okay, I'm sick, you know? Been practic- I pra- I've been practicing long enough to know that, like, this is normal. This is just what the body does. But still, there's that natural resistance, like, no, 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 you know. shouldn't be happening. And so I remembered a poem by Ryokan that, um, I'm sorry, I didn't think to bring, where he's, he's talking about um, this plague that had uh, been sweeping through Japan at the time, and he's talking about proceeding over a funeral for a child, and just the uh, the immense sadness and uh, um, anguish of so many children dying, you know. And I just reflected on you know times in human history where you know ten percent of a population. Dead, you know? Young people, old people, children, just you know, dead. And thinking like, wow, you know, is this me? Okay, so I'm sick, but you know, at, at times in our history, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people sick and dead. Right? So reminding myself of that, remembering I'm not alone. This isn't personal. And there have been times when, you know, so many people have died and been sick. Uh, Another moment of insight came around this, um, coming back to that story of the Buddha with uh, the, um, the intoxication or the vanity of health and the vanity of youth. Again, so, you know, one of the things about often chronic illnesses is the invisibility, right? No one can see. You know, no one knows what you're actually experiencing often on the inside. Oh, you look so great. You know that one? Right? And how painful that can be. Right? So I was um, uh, noticing envy arising in the mind. It's not an ex- emotional experience that I, I had been or very familiar with for various reasons, whether it's the privilege I've lived with in my life or my particular disposition or personality. It's not something that I've, I've kind of envied other people. Oh, I wish I had that thing or I wish I had that body or I wish I had that girlfriend or job or whatever. So, but I actually notice myself envying people's health. And I notice myself looking at someone and, you know, like, he's healthy. How come he's not in pain or suffering? how come I am, right? Noticing that. And it, it was very powerful to two to, to insights that came about through starting to include that experience of envy in my awareness. Not to try to make it go away. Not to, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Or, but actually, say, wow, that's interesting. Look at that, what's going on here? Really feeling it and investing in it. I noticed two things. First, i noticed that the suffering of the envy was supported by a certain condition it was supported by and this is this is tough but it was supported by my desire to be healthy it was supported by my an intoxication, my vanity with health. If I wasn't yearning to be healthy, I wouldn't be envying others. Just like I wasn't envying that car or that, you know, outfit. Why? Because I didn't want it. So there's no envy. So there's no suffering. Now this is tricky. There's a very fine line here because Of course we want to be healthy. That's natural. That's like deeply physiological. And that's, you know, no pun intended, healthy, to want to be healthy, you know? And we do what we can to be healthy. Of course we do. But when it becomes, uh, when we become obsessed with it, or when when we hold too tightly to it, then the suffering arises. Because then it's something other people have that I don't have that I wish I had. And that's suffering. So this is to to be able to want something without attachment. To be able to recognize, yeah, of course I want to be healthy and I'm going to do everything I can in my power to be healthy without being attached to the outcome. Recognizing that I, I don't know if that's going to happen and I'm okay with that. You know? So that was the first insight that came: was seeing that it was my own um, attachment, uh, longing, thirst for getting back what I had lost, getting back my health, my, that loss that was supporting the envy and the suffering of looking around and envying But The other insight that came was: I remember I was actually on retreat. I was walking back to my room and I was walking behind someone else, another young man, envying his imagined health as I was feeling pain in my body and uh, became aware of that. And then I, could, I, and then I felt the vulnerability. I felt my act, like the heart opened to the envy, the wanting to be healthy. Is it's it's a reaction. It's a movement away from experiencing the discomfort, not just of the pain, but of the vulnerability, of for the the helplessness, of not wanting to feel that pain, but still feeling it. Right. That's it's a, it's immensely vulnerable and painful that place, and so instead of being with that experience. I move away from it by wanting what someone else has. And then my focus is on that rather than on what I'm feeling. So there became an awareness of that touching into my own vulnerability. Oof, so hard, so hard to be in pain. And then something very beautiful happened. I looked at that man and I saw, wow, if he's not in pain now, he will be. Not in not in some. I came out totally different than I intended. Not in some like you just wait, sucker. Not at all like that, but just in that sense of like how um, how poignant, like you know, just the, the sadness of you know seeing like we've all got it coming, you know? We've all got it coming. It's just just a matter of time. You know, it's like standing on the train tracks and that train, it's coming. I don't know when it's going to arrive, but there's a train called death coming, you know? So just recognizing that, and, and then all of a sudden I felt connected to him through the vulnerability, So this is that this is some of the power of wisdom, of using wisdom. It's it's not a discursive analysis. It's not that we start thinking about it. It's it's a certain perspective that we bring to mind that has the potential to catalyze a shift internally. It has the potential to affect a certain release, a relaxing, a letting go, a new way of looking at something. So one of the ways I like to practice with this is by using a certain kind of a key phrase that reminds me of this perspective. So I'll offer a few of them and then we'll do a short guided practice. Um, So one is just... This is natural. Or just nature. This is nature taking its course. With that sense of, you know, if there's a body, there will be pain. It's built in. This is natural. Another phrase would be, of course. Of course. Just that sense of, of course how that represents this radical shift in our orientation to the experience another is this is how it is this is how it is or it's like this now right like this is the reality my first meditation teacher used to say to me If the truth came and bit you on the nose, you wouldn't recognize it. Because I had an idea of what the truth was. Something otherworldly and spiritual rather than the pain in my knee or the itch on my nose. It's like this now. This is how it is. This is the truth. This experience that's arising in this moment. Another kind of wisdom reflection is um, turning our mind towards the universality of the experience. So, uh, just as I feel this pain, so too do others feel pain, so too have others suffered. Right? That sense of not being alone in it. Or, or another way of encapsulating it is I am not exempt. I'm not exempt. Right? This, is, this is all of us. So what, what I will uh, suggest here is that um, we'll sit together for a little bit and then um, I'll just uh, say each of these phrases with some space in between them as a way of you kind of trying, trying it on the idea isn't to use all of these. It's not like, you know, like, of course. Oh, this is how it is. Oh, uh, I'm not exempt. Uh, you know, like we're just like reaching for something to make it go away. <laughs> not going to work. This is the, that motivation is the sense of being willing to meet it. Being, you know, the interest to turn towards and understand it. So as I say each phrase, take it in. Let, let your own heart or mind kind of say it for yourself and see, you know, what, what feels like your own language, what feels authentic to you as a way of remembering this perspective. Just allowing yourself to come to presence, feeling the body. Allowing the jaw to be relaxed. Letting the eyes and the eyebrows, all the facial muscles to relax. Nothing we need to do. Achi- nothing to achieve or accomplish. I'm just returning to. Simple presence of being feeling the body sitting or reclining. Allowing the solidity of the physical form to steady the awareness here, Mm. settling the attention. With the sensations of sitting or breathing. Just being here. There's no need to force yourself to stay with really difficult sensations. That's generally not helpful. Seeing if you can let them kind of just be in the background, bringing your attention to sounds, or your hands or feet, if they're really strong, uncomfortable sensations. If or when there is some unpleasant sensation, some physical pain, as you become aware of that, considering to oneself, of course, of course. Bodies feel pain, of course. Noticing any effect, any softening, any re- release, relief, or widening in the awareness. Of course, bodies feel pain, that's what they do. It's a soft, encouraging reminder rather than a forceful instruction or demand. then if there is pain somewhere in your experience, taking a break, seeing if you can put your attention somewhere else for a few moments, moving away from that unpleasant sensation or sensations, to a more neutral or pleasant area in your experience that might be in your body It might be the hands, the feet, could be your lips, could be your eyelids, looking for a more neutral place of sensation in the body to rest your attention. If that's not available to you, then Perhaps turning towards sound. Moving away and just connecting with something more neutral. Resting the attention with this neutral reference point. Once again uh, including a painful sensation an unpleasant sensation in your awareness you don't have to focus on it don't zero in on it just just allowing that to be in your consciousness and then offering... A suggestion to your own psyche. Oh. Oh, this is how it is. This is how it is. It's like this now. Just that gentle reminder to see clearly. This is completely natural, like this now. All of these reflections will be in the handout later, so you don't need to worry about writing them. Like dropping, uh, it's like putting a a drop of food dye in a glass of water. We just drop that phrase in, and then let it begin to uh, diffuse into our mind and our body. This is how it is. being in the silence and the space. Noticing any effect, if there's any shift, softening, widening. And then once again... Seeing if there's a way to kind of step back or take a break, shifting your attention to somewhere more neutral. Hands, feet, could be your mouth or tongue, lips. Just feeling and receiving the sensations in this more neutral place, giving more attention to that could be sounds. when thoughts or stories arise, seeing if you can just notice those, just like a radio in the background, familiar thoughts, mesmerizing powerful stories about who I am or what I can or can't do, what's possible or not. Just see all of those as different movies arising and playing in the mind coming back to the reality of a direct experience, just what's true in this moment, a sensation, a sound. And now... If you like, I'll invite you to see if you can include the whole picture internally of your life, of your condition, of your age, of your social location, the whole thing. And with that sense of, I am not exempt. Just as I feel pain, so too. Are there others in pain right now? I'm not exempt. Just as I'm sick, so too are there others who have been sick, who are sick, and who will be sick. not exempt. Noticing any effect then allowing all of it to uh, settle into the background, the thoughts, the ideas, putting everything down. As we come to a close, taking a few moments to just consider what was useful about that for you, if anything, just kind of garner anything that was learned, and really just making a mental note of it for yourself. So in one's ordinary life and, and practice, you know, you, you wouldn't necessarily use all of these, right? And just sort of suggesting them, and then finding one that works for you, or two that work for you, and then at different times, as appropriate, calling them to calling it to mind. Whether you're doing formal meditation practice or just moving through your day, um, finding your own phrase, your own words, your own way of capturing this understanding and reminding yourself of it.